Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Cookie Cast. So, in Cookie Cast, it's the football podcast. Do you remember there was that whole Christmas thing, and then there was the whole New Year thing, and and we recorded back to back podcasts to cover us through Christmas and New Year. Well, the bills come due, ladies and gents. We needed to cover off all of those podcasts, all those games and all those results, and that's resulted in a monster edition of the football podcast. Before we get started, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment, leave a review where we can leave reviews. Um, Share the podcast around, that's the big one. Share the podcast around. If you've got a football fan in your life, send them this podcast, they might actually thank you for it. Right, let's get started. Here we go. This is CookieCast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. Yes, indeed. Those eponymous words... That you were all have grown to love and enjoy so much are back in amongst your ear and eye holes. Welcome all back in, ladies and gentlemen, after our self-imposed festive break. We're coming back at you with some updates from a football perspective for Middlesbrough, Hull City and Nottingham Forest, brought to you by the Cookie Cast Podcast Network. Obviously, for you people watching on YouTube, you can see the four lovely faces smiling back at you as we speak. Obviously, I'm joined by the usual cronies of Mr. Andrew Cook, Mr. Stuart Wilmancy, and Mr. Matthew Muller. How are we all, boys? How was your festive period? Festive? Very nice. We like to hear it. Uh, so, obviously, we're into a new year. 2024 has started, which means that the transfer window has opened as of the 1st of January. As at the time of recording, no transfers in, um, unless, has has the Billy Sharp thing officially gone through yet, Bob? Yeah. It, have they it, announced, it, the, have they done pictures and shirt posing? Uh, and is there a chair? No, there's no chair. I'm, I'm out. I'm done. No way. It's, it's, it's so 2023, Andrew. I'm just buying the time. We can, only, we can only speculate on what 2024's signing meme will be. Um, answers on a postcard, obviously, if you, if you know what it's going to be, it's probably some sort of three-legged stool or um, some sort of space hopper or something, something where the, the players really have to work to, uh, to get comfortable in it. Um, I mean, so yeah, as, as a Billy Sharp, he's old. Let's not make him pull his hamstring before he starts playing football. We don't need the space hopper nonsense. Come on. I mean, it, 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 it's sensible with the, you know, when you're signing players that are a couple of years off collecting their pension. That's, uh, that's a very sensible thing. <laughs> hey, he's a year younger than me, apparently. Well, don't want to cast aspersions, but, you know. So... Uh, just, the, just the one time that's been official so far for uh, Hull. Um, obviously, there's loads of rumours doing the rounds, so we won't, we won't dive into any of those as we'll be here for the rest of time. 
So we'll jump back in to where we were. Oh, Matthew has something he would like to raise. Forrest have got two outs already. Already. Um, so Gustavo Scarpa has gone back to Brazil to Athletic Mineiro, I think. And um, I believe they're also looking at one of your former loanees from Fulham. I think Moon is. Um, I've seen that somewhere. And uh, very successful. Andre Santos has been has been recalled by Chelsea um, from his loan spell, where he made two appearances, seven minutes in the Premier League, I think. So one full game in the Carabao Cup and seven minutes against Burnley in the Premier League. So yeah, uh, you know, financial fair play and Forrester wasting money on people who don't play. So yeah. What I've personally taken from that, Matt, is that his position in forest folklore is absolutely nailed on. Yeah, it'll be one of those ones where you kind of sat there and you'll be going, when did he play for us? What season's that? Kind of thing. that one of those ones. Like, I can't remember that player playing for us. Yeah, it, it's, it's always good. I remember there was one season where I think Borough signed one player on the very last day of the transfer window. Um, on loan, there was a bit of a hoo-ha about him because he was a Brazilian international. He came in, didn't play a game, and then didn't sign again. So, um, a completely wasted signing, you might say, on that regard. Um, so, yes, for the next three to four weeks, we'll, we'll keep you abreast of any ins and outs that are, uh, that are going on at our clubs. Uh, and then obviously the Trumpets will go slam shut at the end of January and we'll go with uh, the squads as they are until the end of the season. Uh, in our last set of recordings, obviously, we made predictions for the games prior to Christmas and over the Christmas period into the new year. So we'll go back to our second to last podcast that we recorded and we'll start with what was at the time week 21's predictions. And the first game of said predictions was Bristol City taking on Hull City. Uh, how did this one play out in the end, Mr. Wilson? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so, <laughs> no, it was a bit, a bit of an action-packed uh, opener to the festivi- uh, festivities over, over that period because uh, Hull were 1-0 down, then were 2-1 up, and then lost 3-2. So, uh, not... Amazing. Not only did City lose the game, but also Ryan Alsop, um, which would then affect the rest of the team over the rest of the fixtures over Christmas. Uh, he was subbed off two minutes before the winner was scored, which did take a bit of a deflection. Uh, but nevertheless, um, we'll never know if he would have saved it because um, he was crocked with a hip injury. Um, so your goal scorers in that game for Bristol... Conway on 25 minutes with a penalty. Mametti on 76 minutes. And Knight on 84. Your whole goal scorers were Connolly uh, on 33 and Tufan with a penalty just before half time. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. But was this the game where you said there's absolutely no chance that two fans scores for three games in a row? 
correct? That must come with some sort of forfeit. Uh, well, it was a penalty, so he had a helping hand in that. Oh. Unless, yeah. unless we're playing by Harry Kane rules and we'll just pad all of the stats. <laughs> <in there. laughs> very good, very good. Um, so, yeah, sadly, Hull didn't kick off the festive period with a positive result. Um, Predictions-wise, um, neither did any of us, as um, I and Stu had both gone for a 1-1 draw. Matt and Andy had gone for Hull City away wins. Um we did some. Some of us did, however, claw some points back, as I had Mameti and Tufan to score across the board. So I get two points for that. Matt also had Conway to score for Bristol City, so bags himself a bonus point there. We move on to Nottingham Forest versus Bournemouth, and this turned out to be the first game in charge for the new incoming manager, Nuno Espirito Santo, and. Um, how did it pan out, Matthew? Uh, not ideal. Well, I think the result wasn't ideal. Um, so, it was a Forest 3-2 loss. Um, I can't quit kind of kind of thing. So, I think, I think it was a pretty even game. Um, Willie, but then, about 23 minutes in, Willie Bolly got sent off for his second bookable offence. Which, in which... The, uh, the Bournemouth player trod on his ankle after he won the ball and then went down like he got shot. Bolly got his second yellow card and apparently that's not reviewable by VAR because it's not a significant event. Um, a red card would suggest it is, but, you know, we could talk all the time about that. Um, after that, though, I think I was right. Did Forrest take the lead? Pretty sure Forrest took the lead after half time. Um, through Alanga. Um, Bournemouth hit back with two goals from Dominic Solanke. Forrest equalised through Chris Wood. Uh, unfortunately, um, Solanke scored his hat trick in extra, in added time. Um, so Forrest lose 3 2. But apparently, a very battling performance, and to score two goals. Um, that when you're down to 10 men is kind of not not the norm, which should be said. Um, so yeah, Forest 3 2 loss. Yeah, the um, the Bolly second yellow was possibly one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in the history of the sport, um, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't think, uh, given given the tackle that he made, I don't think he could have won, the, I don't think he could have won the ball any cleaner and not even sort of like followed through on the guy. If anything, it was the it was the Bournemouth guy fouling him by kicking him. I think if if there hadn't have been a yellow card for Bolly, there might have been every chance of the Bournemouth guy getting sent off. I have seen players sent off for what the Bournemouth guy did as opposed yeah. to what Bolly did. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Not good. Very very strange indeed. Um, from a predictions perspective, um, I had gone positive. I thought there would be a, a bit of new new manager bounce in this one, so I'd gone for the one 0 Forest win. So I don't get any points. Matt and Andy had both gone for draws. Matt had gone two two with Wood and Solanke um, 
both scoring the game, so he gets himself two points for that. Andy had gone for 1-1 with Wood and Solanke to score, so he gets himself two points for that. Um, Mr Woodbansy, however, had gone for a 2-1 Bournemouth win. Gets himself a point for the year for the result. He'd also picked Alanga and Solanke to score, so he gets himself two points on that. Three points overall for Mr Woodbansy. Our next game saw my boys, Middlesbrough, take on what technically would potentially be classed as my wife's boys in West Bromwich Albion. So the, the Williams Derby, as it were. And um, it was the home supporters that were the most happy as uh, Middlesbrough went out as a 1-0 winner in this one. Uh, Morgan Rogers getting the winner after the, uh, the ball had been played down the left-hand channel by Dan Barlazer for uh, Lucas Engel to, to latch onto. He squared the ball back to the edge of the box with Morgan Rogers tapping in. Um, looked like it was a game that Borough were pretty much in control of from start to finish, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, one side of the Williams household, very happy. The other, the other well, she didn't really care, to be honest with her. Um, it's more her father that supports the team. So I immediately received a text saying, no, no Christmas presents this year. Boo, boo, boo. Uh, Predictions-wise, um, Stu was the uh, the least optimistic. Sorry, I, I, I take it back. Myself and Stu were both the least optimistic because we had both gone for West Brom wins. Stu gone for 1-0, I went 2-1. Sadly, neither of us had Rodgers in that equation. Um, Matt had gone for a 1-1 draw but hadn't picked Rodgers as his borough scorer. Andy picked a 1-0 Middlesbrough win. Very good, two points. Sadly, had Silvera as the goal scorer, not Rogers. So just the uh, just the two points for Mr. Cook on that one. Um, I realise I haven't been given a running total. So after three after three games so far, I'm on two points. Matt and Stu are both on three points. Mr. Cook on four points after three games. Um, we then move to the Boxing Day slate of games, and um, we return. For the northeast, or we stay in the northeast as we were there for the Borough game. We uh, we stay in the northeast, but go a little bit further up the coast to Tyneside, where Newcastle United took on Nottingham Forest. And oh, what there wasn't a really a better way to start Boxing Day, was there, Mister Moore? There wasn't. There wasn't. I was kind of yeah. We kind of made plans to go out, <laughs> just go for a walk, and that kind of thing. And I've cut. I, I knew that Forrest was on, but I thought, ah, I don't know what's that. I don't need that in my life. And and then uh, then I saw the score, and I was like, ah, well, I better sit and watch the end of this, then, aren't I? So um, so yes, uh, Forrest went one nil down again. Bit of a soft penalty. Um, you know, it's these ones that keep on getting given, um, and. The old players are starting to twist about them a little bit. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then Alexander Izak stuck that one away. Um, don't know what, I don't know what um, Matt Turner was doing. I mean, if he would have died for it properly, he probably wouldn't have saved it. But he didn't really do anything and nearly saved it. Um, then, after half-time, well, just before half-time, the game kind of got turned on its head. Um, I 
as Chris Wood scored his first of three goals. So the uh, the kind of old boy syndrome coming back to bite Newcastle hard. Uh, I think I sent a, a, a thing through a Newcastle fan, a tweet or something like that from a Newcastle fan, saying that they've gone through relegations and Ashley and having the name thing. But nothing's more embarrassing than the fact that Chris Wood scored a hat-trick against them. I thought that was a bit harsh because I think he's a decent striker. I know he's perhaps not like world class, but he's not terrible. Uh, but yeah, so Forest run out three one winners. Delightful stuff as the Toon fans booed their team off because, of course, they turned nice and quickly the best fans in the country. I believe in our in our group chat uh, it was something akin to they're here. They're there, they're every fucking where, empty seats, empty seats, <laughs> as the uh, Newcastle fans were streaming out of the stadium with them 3-1 down. Oh, you just you just love to see, I mean, I don't know it's which I love more, I don't know if I prefer a Borough win or a Newcastle defeat, I honestly don't know which I prefer more. It's the uh, it's the delightful overreaction that comes with it, you know. And I've not I've not seen anything about the Liverpool game apart from the kind of questions about the uh, the penalties given. But I can yeah you know, I can already see the kind of oh my goodness what's going on oh god it's terrible you know. And then when they don't sign Calvin Phillips as well in in, in the winter. It's going to make them even more over the top and like losing the shit, which is even better. But like, what I particularly enjoyed about those two in particular was the fact that you, Forrest gave them the hope of going one nil up first and then absolutely ruined them. And then also <laughs> in the Liverpool game, it was like, oh, you've got one back. Oh, we'll score two more. So it doesn't matter. Like, oh, yeah, so you go. I mean, I did particularly enjoy the fact that Alanga also absolutely destroyed hometown hero Dan Byrne for <laughs> 50 got minutes. Got some he? Yeah, yeah. I think for his own sake. With the, with the <laughs> it, was a, it was an absolute destruction. And the guy, Kate Livermento, who came on, didn't do a whole lot better. No. Apparently, I, I didn't see it, but... Apparently, in the in the post match interview, uh, when he was when he was being interviewed, apparently someone said to Chris Wood, "Oh, there were very un-Chris Wood like finishes," and apparently he just went, "Thanks." Or someone <laughs> else just had to sort of laugh off the back of it. The fact that the interview was being said, "Ah, oh, well, you're a bit shit normally, aren't you? You took that quite well, didn't you?" It's like, okay. <laughs> to be all fair. He's, I mean, he spent the best part of three years on the bench because obviously he's not played much for Forest. He's not played a whole lot for. You know, he wasn't playing a lot for Newcastle before that. But at Burnley, he was decent, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> it bodes well, well though. He obviously wouldn't, like you say, he hasn't played a lot. But and he wouldn't have been playing had like a one year and all the rest have been fit. And yet he just he seems to have come into his own at like the most important part of the season. So. Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's always there's always been like the argument that he's a proven Premier League striker because obviously the the numbers are there to back it up. I think he's just I think sometimes he's unfairly labelled as just like a target man because he's quite because he's quite big 
he's, he's like he's built and like you know he's large, so he'll always he'll always have that. And, and because he played in a Sean Dyche team, he'll always sort of be unfairly labelled as just the lump that's just up top and stuff like that. that but, and that was that was on, on a podcast I was listening to uh, with Darren Fletcher, you know, the the commentator for TNT. Um, he was saying that that was something that Deitch had said to him, that Deitch had turned up at Burnley and Chris Wood was already there. And and they assumed that he would fulfil that role. And he was like, no, I don't play like that. I'm actually, I can actually play like a striker that you can play into my feet and stuff like that and play around me. Yeah. So they were like, all right, we've got a bit more than what, what we kind of thought we had kind of thing. So, yeah, you know, I don't think... You know, when a one year comes back, he'll be hopefully straight back into the team because there's a different kind of dynamic when he's playing. But but to see Wood playing well is uh, it's good. Absolutely, and like you said, I suppose it gives them more option if they did want to play two strikers. That's always an option. Um, predictions wise, um, Matt was the least optimistic and had gone for a two-one Newcastle win. Uh, Wilson and Lascelles. For Newcastle, Wood to notch for Forest. I did get himself a bonus point for the goal scorer. Myself and Stuart both gone for 1 1 draws. Stuart gone for Gordon and Gibbs White. I'd gone for Lascelles and Wood. So I get myself a bonus point there. Andy was the most optimistic of all of us and it paid off for him as he had a pretty 2 0 Nottingham Forest win with goals for Hudson and and Wood. So bagging himself another two points for the week in Mr. Andrew Cook. Two games left on Boxing Day, and the first of which was viewed by one member of this podcast as Hull City took on Sunderland. Um, was there any Boxing Day cheer to be had in Humberside, Mr. Woodmansey? No. Um, they, there was a little bit of new manager bounce for, for Michael Beale for Sunderland. Uh, the most exciting thing about the first half was that Jude Bellingham was spotted in the crowd sporting a, a Sunderland scarf, supporting his brother. Um, it it was only really a Tyler Morton shot in the first half that I really remember. Um, everything, however, changed in the second half. It seemed they decided that, well, we might have a game of football on our hands here. Um, the worst miss of the afternoon was, you'll be pleased to know, Paul Aaron Connolly from just inside the penalty spot uh, had pretty much the whole goal to aim at and hit it right at the keeper um, with the oh, approximate power of a four-year-old. Um, other than that, everything that Sunderland did was through Jack, uh, Jack Clark and then kind of fit in that he got the winner, I suppose, but I had to wait until the 82nd minute for the goal to go in, so... Very close to it being a nil-nil on Boxing Day, um, which in many ways probably would have preferred. Yes, not the uh, not the result that all the uh, the, the tra- well the Hull fans certainly were uh, were hoping for. Um, and from a podcast perspective, not the result any of us were hoping for, as um, Stu and Matt had both gone for draws, two-two and one-one respectively. However, they both had picked. Jack Clark to score in their Sunderland mix. So do both do get themselves a bonus point there for goal scorers. Sadly for myself and for Mr. Cook, a two one and a two nil Hull City win respectively does not pay off for either of us. 
And uh, sadly, neither was Pete Clark. You know, we're goal scorers. So no points there for myself and Mr Cook. Our final game of Boxing Day saw Rotherham United take on my boys and, of course, as discussed on, on the previous podcast, technically Mr Cook's boys of Middlesbrough. Um, this one seemed to, to go the way that all games between Rotherham and Middlesbrough go these days, where Middlesbrough absolutely batter the shit out of Rotherham for, for pretty much 90 minutes and succumb to a 1-0 loss. Um, the goal was scored midway through the second half when, um, I, I don't know his first name, I've just got Bramall uh, written down, I believe he's the left-back. Um, the ball was played into him on the left-hand side. Um, he carried the ball for a couple, a couple of metres and then just put in what appeared to be a speculative cross but must have caught the wind or something similar and has completely flown over the goalkeeper's head into the back of the net. And, um, yeah, Borough couldn't break down Rotherham. They, they hit the post about four times, had shots uh, cleared off the line. Just not Borough's day, sadly. Um, also, not the day of anyone in the podcast as we'd all gone for a Borough win. Um, myself and Stu, 2-0 to the Borough. Um, Andy, 1-0 to the Borough. Matt was the only person that gave Rotherham a goal and had gone for ease. Um, so, no points across the board for that last game, which means for the week, from six games, I bagged a whopping three points. Stu bagged four points. Matt, five points, but winning the week, as it were, Mr. Andrew Cook with six points from six games. Very well done, sir. Very well done indeed. We have week 22's games to go through now, of which there are six, I believe. One, two, three, four. Sorry, five games to go through there. We'll start with Huddersfield Town versus Middlesbrough. But before we start with that, we will just take a very short break just to recompose ourselves and start again on the next slate of predictions that we need to go through. You won't need to do anything, though, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back. Recording in progress. And just like that, we're back in town. So, week 21, done and dusted. Week 22's predictions started with Huddersfield Town versus mine and Andrew's lot, Middlesbrough. Although, technically, at this point, Andrew... Is no longer Middlesbrough FC fan. He now officially supports Rotherham United, but obviously we can't go back in time and predict Rotherham's games. I don't know if Mr. Woodman's trying to make a point there or if he's putting his hand up to block Andrew from his <laughs> side. I think, I think it's just very disappointing that over the course of this season's podcast, it's recorded for the rest of time that Andy was a Wigan fan for longer than he was a Borough fan. Ah. Yeah, but you just you just play with the hands you dealt, right? I mean, how on earth were Middlesbrough ever supposed to compete with the might of Rotherham United? One of the worst teams I've seen at, at all this season. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, oh, don't worry. I've, I've regularly checked the league table just to make sure that obviously Rotherham have beaten some absolute stellar opposition this season for their... Three league wins. Um, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll not dwell on the fact that uh, Rotherham are 
horrendously bad. We'll just we'll just it's okay. It's okay. You, you can get your own back when we get to the last whole fixture of the podcast. It's fine. Well, spoilers. Well, quite. So, Huddersfield Town versus Middlesbrough. This took place on Friday the 29th, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. Friday the 29th. Uh, this was an evening fixture, even though obviously um, it was played in the, in the in the period between the Christmas and New Year break. Um, and uh, it, it, went, it started off quite well uh, for Middlesbrough. Um, apart from Isaiah Jones with what can only be described as the miss of the season and possibly his entire life. Um, he ran into the box, managed to um, have the ball sort of rebound into his path, passed the goalkeeper with an open goal, eyes mercy, uh, and he managed to misjudge the bounce of the ball and hit fresh air as he was going to tap in from, no joke, three yards out. I'd say this is a bit of a, uh, an, an anomaly, but um, it, it it's not the first time I've seen a Middlesbrough player not score from basically the goal line in that stadium. Just at times, just unbelievable how, how, what that stadium does to um, does to the middle of the place. Um, Borough were the only team that, that had a chance to uh, to score that was that was pretty much from an open goal. Um, I, th- I, I, I don't know the player off off the top of my head, but it might have been um, Sorber Thomas ran through, rounded the goalkeeper, and with an with an open goal managed to hit the bar. Um, so at least he made contact with the ball as opposed to Isaiah Jones just fresh air shot him. Um, so we'll, we'll call it one all on the open goal chances. Um, the, the, the scoring was opened uh, in the second half when uh, Josh Coburn uh, was played was played through. Uh, Morgan Rogers clipped the ball into the box uh, with Coburn just latching onto the end of it uh, and just lifting the ball quite cheekily over the goalkeeper into the net. Um, it was 1-1 a few minutes later when Michael Hellick um, had stayed up from uh, a Huddersfield attack. Uh, the ball was peeing around the edge of the box. Uh, it fell to Hellick, who just passed it into the corner to make it 1-1. Um, and then Middlesbrough were given possibly one of the worst penalties I've ever seen um, when Morgan Rogers was clipped inside the box. Um, I think it's one of those ones where you get them you're absolutely ecstatic. They're given against you and you're asking what sort of parentage the referee has, where he's based in the country, all that sort of stuff because it was one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. Morgan Rogers is on his way down when he just, when he decides to get touched and the ref gives the penalty. Justice was done, however, as um, the Huddersfield keeper uh, flew himself to his left to, uh, to save Johnny Housen's spot kick. Um, he went out for a corner. And from the same resulting corner, um, the ball was played to the back stick where it was headed back into the danger area. And Johnny Housen managed to get on the end of it to hit it into the floor. It looped over the defender who was on back on the line trying to, uh, trying to defend the post uh, for 2-1. And that's how, the game, uh, that's how the game ended, in a 2-1 win for the Borough. Um, we all had predicted... Wins for the Borough, 
Uh, Stewart and Andy had gone for 2-0. Um, sadly, neither of them had Coburn or Houston to score. Whereas myself and Matt had both gone for 2-1 for a wins. So me and Matt both get ourselves a goal. Uh, sorry, two points for the correct score. Um, uh, Matt gets a bonus point as he had Housen to score. So um, very well played by uh, Mr. Moore there as um, Johnny Housen doesn't score all that often. Um, our next game that took place on that Friday night was Hull City versus Blackburn Rovers. Uh, as this was at the MKM Stadium, were you in attendance, Mr. Wilmerson? Yep, uh, it was a night game, no school the next morning, and uh, me and the boys were there, and pleased that we went. So, for the second time in three games, Hull involved in a game that finished 3-2, but this time, thankfully, on the better half of that. So, uh, Delap made it 1-0 to Hull after 11 minutes, um, completely against the run of play. Blackburn were, were all over Hull. Uh, but Delap picked the ball up quite close to the edge of the box. Um, had to go around the defender, which forced him way out to the right. And as he cut back in, it was one of them where he had nobody following in. Didn't really have time to kind of hang around. So just, for want of a better expression... Absolutely twatted it at the near post, and uh, the uh, the keeper missed it. So that'll do for me. One nil, and then still against the run of play, Aaron Connolly once again with his shooting boots on. Paul uh, guided the ball to the bottom right, sort of on a half volley. Um, so yeah, happy after eighteen minutes. However, as I mentioned. It, it had the whole thing up to that point had been against the runner player. Blackburn looked good and a goal was coming. On 33 minutes, the Championship's leading goal scorer, Sammy Smodix, stuck one away right in front of us, to, much to the uh, the boys' displeasure. Um, and then also got level just before half-time. Three minutes into added time at the end of the first half, Pickering made it 2-2 going into the break. Uh, much I don't know we didn't really know what to expect second half if we are just going to come out and get absolutely smashed or if Hull would put up a bit of a fight if there'd be any changes whatever it might be um, thankfully Hull did put up a fight um, started to drive at the defence and yellow cards were being handed out um, left right and centre and then on 63 minutes Tyler Morton put a corner in from the left uh, found Alfie Jones, of all people, centre-half in the box, not on his head. The ball had already made it to the floor, and he managed to scrape it in from about four yards out uh, to for Alfie Jones to score what is only his second-ever goal for Hull City. Um, things were made to look a little better for Hull on 74 minutes as Hiam, Hiam, whoever his pronunciation is this time, uh, got sent off for a second bookable offence for Blackburn Rovers. Um <coughs> It was a foul on two fan that did it. Definitely was a yellow, so yeah, really nowhere to go. Um, Blackburn, though, however, did look. You know, like when you play against some teams sometimes, and they have a man sent off, and you're like, which which team had the man sent off? Because um, <laughs> it, really, it really seemed to galvanise them. Though, like you wouldn't have noticed um, for the, like you know for the last fifteen minutes of the game at all. 
Uh, but Hull hung on, despite Matt Ingram flapping like a toddler in the goal. Um, yeah, they won 3-2, have 38% possession overall. But I think this is possibly a, re- well, a record or close to a record for my own personal view in that there was six yellows and one red in the game. So second half was, say, entertaining, but a little bit feisty. Um, I suppose the red was two yellows, so maybe it's eight yellows, who knows. But yeah, a lot of cards, lots of cards. But yeah, three more points on the board. And at the time, moved Hull back up into sixth. Not bad. Uh, on the sort of the uh, the red card thing, it's, it's quite funny because um, when when uh, Jonathan Woodgate was the manager at the Borough, uh, they went they went um, they went down to ten men in a game against someone early doors, and then just couldn't break them down. So the game petered out to a, a, a draw. Uh, and in his post match interview, he said, oh, "Well, sometimes playing against ten men's harder than playing against eleven because the team just sits in and stuff like that." Um, and then that pretty, I don't know if it was the next game or within the next couple of games Borough went down to 10 men uh, early doors in the game uh, and absolutely capitulated and got beat 3-0 so um, don't really know how that works uh, Johnny uh, <laughs> that would have it both ways son um, anyway back on track um, predictions wise we all had varying degrees of hull win so we all get one point straight off the bat Myself, Stu and Andy had all gone for 1-0 wins. Stu had gone for two fan to score, whereas myself and Andy, strangely enough, had picked Connolly to score. I obviously had had something put in my morning wheat of um, Matt had gone for a 2-1 with Delap to score, two fan to score, and Shamonix to score. So backed himself three points from that game. So two games into week 22. I have four points, Stu has two points, Matt has six points, Andy with three points. Our next game took us to the weekend and Saturday where Nottingham Forest were playing Manchester United. Um, was this one a little bit better than um, the first home game of the Nuno regime, Mr Moore? certainly was. Apparently, apparently it's like kind of one of them folklore kind of things. Apparently, Gibbs White in their huddle at the start was like, look at their faces, they don't fancy it, they don't want to be here. And, I mean, I think we've all commented on Marcus Rashford. He doesn't look like he wants to be anywhere near a football pitch full stop for England or for Man United at the moment. Um, I think Forrest basically, I mean, a uh, couple of players dropped out, Hudson... Did Hudson Odoi drop out? I want to say Hudson Odoi dropped out and Sangari dropped out um, for Yates and Dominguez coming back in. I think something like that. Um, and yeah, kind of picked up where they left off. And uh, ironically, Anthony Alanga um, terrorising Man United, considering that he left in the summer and also apparently giving them. A bit of we we commented on the fact that Chris Wood should have given uh, Newcastle a bit of uh, a bit of you know what for scoring a hat trick. Anthony Alanga fully embraced the opposite of the festive season as he was subbed off and made sure that he went off the furthest side from the dugout for Forest and walked around the pitch in front of the Man United fans 
and gave his badge a nice little tap on the way past. Um, so, yeah, Forrest opened the scoring through Dominguez. I think he's starting to find his mojo again. Uh, lovely move. Um, nice passing, particularly passing on the right-hand side. Um, and he just slotted it in past the keeper. Um, then, kind of, I mean, Forrest held the lead for quite a while. Uh, but then Matt Turner, who had apparently had a shocking game distribution-wise anyway, I think he'd already had one where he'd gone to make a clearance, sliced it, and then had to claim it back. Um, then I passed it to Garnacho. I mean, it was a lovely pass. Um, slotted him straight in um, for Rashford, the aforementioned Rashford, to kind of slot it past him. Nice finish, pretty much the goal to aim at. Um, at that point, I, I was convinced that Forrest would roll over because uh, that's generally what we do. Uh, but no, came back and Gibbs White, I think we've all predicted him multiple times this season, waiting for him to score. Again, really nice finish. I think Yates picked up the ball on the edge of the box. Driving run, nobody closed him down. Passed it out to Alanga, who made a nice run. Cut back in, laid it off to Gibbs White, who was kind of coming a little bit late on the edge of the box, and he just curled it round the keeper. 2-1. Uh, yeah. But kind of out of the three, out of the three Christmas time games, um, this was the one. No, I don't know. Yeah, I expected three points. Uh, yeah, I thought maybe we'd get three points when we lost to Bournemouth. I thought, right, we're going to get zero from, Christ- from Christmas and we'll be in the relegation zone. Uh, but two good wins against probably teams that are struggling at the moment, but are decent teams nonetheless. So, yeah. Absolutely, you can't be turning down uh, three points against Manchester United. That's uh, that's certainly the case. Predictions-wise, um, none of us had gone for a Forest win. There was a couple of 1-1 draws in there. Stu and Andy. Um, Stu had Yates and McTominay. Andy had Alanga and Rashford. So gets himself a bonus point for the Rashford goal. Myself and Matt had both taken 2-1 Manchester United wins. I had Hudson and Adoy, Fernandez and Garnacho. Matt had Ilanga, Fernandez, and Rashford. So bonus points there for Matt and Andy for the goal scorers. We move to the New Year's Day games and the first of the year uh, of the 2024 campaign for my boys, Middlesbrough, taking on their somewhat kryptonite at the moment of Coventry City. And the game started particularly well um, in the fact that Borough were um, on the on the front foot as soon as the game started. Um, this was also my first home match of the of the season so far for the Borough. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I took took uh, took my seat up in the uh, the north the northwest corner, uh, and I, I enjoyed it for the first half an hour. Um, Isaiah Jones had a chance where he, uh, he he took it past the keeper, tried to uh, clip the ball in, but the the, uh, the defender got back on the line to uh, to clear it away, um, and the scoring opened when. Um, it was the ball was worked out again to Isaiah Jones. He uh, cut the ball into the uh, the area where Josh Coburn had run off his marker um, to head in for his second goal in two games. Um, in a in a in a cruel twist of fate, it was it almost seemed as if scoring the first goal angered Coventry and got them going as they were uh, they equalised within a couple of minutes. Um, there was a corner taken from the left hand side. 
Um, a brilliant flicked on header, which uh, the goalkeeper Tom Glover did well to, to keep out. Um, the ball cleared its way to the edge of the box, where Yama, uh, Sakamoto was there to uh, to slam the ball home and equalise it. Um, a couple more chances in the first half before it to, uh, to to retake the lead. Um, a couple of chances from the edge of the box where the, the shots were dug out into the top corner, but the keeper managed to claw them out. So went into the break at uh, half-time at 1-1. Uh, and into the second half, Borough just never got going. Coventry put them straight on the back foot. Um, Borough were trying to pass out from the back. Um, and it just wasn't working. They were getting picked off time and time again. Um, the second uh, for Coventry came from Hanshi Wright. Um, Borough didn't clear their lines out on the left-hand side. Uh, they had their pockets pinched. Um the, the ball was clipped in uh, for Ellis Sims. The first effort was, was saved by the goalkeeper. Went back to Sims and managed to square the ball across to where Hadji Wright was just lurking at the back post just to tap it in. Um, and the, the game was uh, was well and truly sewn up when uh, Sakamoto got his second. Um, a little, little pass and move section of play was done on the right-hand side and they worked the ball across the box. Um, managed to uh, get the ball clipped across where Sakamoto had uh, managed to make his way to the back stick to head in. Um, once Borough were down the, down the 3-1 down, um, they were just basically trying to trying to play the ball long. Uh, all throughout the game, the, one of the centre-halves, uh, Matt Clark, had been trying to play the ball out from the back um, and turned one too many times to play the ball back to the goalkeeper and was greeted with an awful lot of... Um, consternation by the fans so the next time he got the ball he turned to play it back to the goalkeeper and you could see that the fans were straight on him as if to say what are you doing what are you doing so what what, what happens he just hoofs the ball long uh, and it just goes straight into touch or straight to the commentary player and you could tell at that point that his confidence was shot and uh, he just absolutely crumbled so um marvelous really really good uh, really good uh, job by the borough fans they're just completely killing a player's confidence just by you know just generally being assholes. So the game peaked out to a three-one win for Coventry. Um, yeah, uh, no complaints from me personally. It's Coventry. I've seen I've seen obviously Coventry play the last two games at the Riverside now, and um, they've Coventry us to an absolute T. I would say they're probably the best drilled side I've seen in a long time. Every single player in that squad knows exactly what they need to do if they're picked. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not even terrible football either, to be fair. You know, like they, they, do, they do pass it around quite nicely. So, um, it's so annoying though, because Mark Robbins is a massive knobhead. <laughs> there, was, there, was a, there was a fan in the, uh, in, in the stand behind me who um, definitely shared that sentiment, as I believe. Uh, you're the guy who kept Ferguson in his job, you little knobhead. Uh, I, I believe he called him little, you little ginger knobhead, I believe was the phrase that they uh, they uttered for Mr. Robbins. Um, yeah. Annoying, but he, he, he does get his teams to play some nice stuff. Uh, Predictions-wise, no one had a Coventry City win, so no points for the result. Um... Stu had gone for a 1-1 draw um, and did have Sakamoto to the score, so gets himself a bonus point. Uh, everyone else 
had gone for Borough wins, I'd gone 1-0. Andy had gone 2-0. Matt had gone 2-1. Had picked Gordon to score for Coventry. Sadly, not Sakamoto or Wright. So just another one point there for Stu. Um, and that takes us to our last game of week 22, which was Sheffield Wednesday versus Hull City. Uh, this one was live on Sky Television, I believe. Did you watch? And uh, should you have not bothered? Uh, yeah, we watched, and yeah, we should not have bothered. So, um, for the first time in a very, very long time, um, Hull went three at the back, which seemed a little bit of a strange decision. Uh, presume it's purely for the fact that we still haven't got a left back and was trying something different. Um, over the games over Christmas, at one point, I forgot to mention, we had Regan Slater... Standard attacking midfielder playing at left back for us in a four four two formation. So that was bizarre. Um, so yeah, Rossini changed it up. Hull weren't at the races right from the off. Um, and in my opinion, and if any of you guys have seen this, I'd uh, be interested to see if you agree. Uh, we're wrongly reduced to ten men on thirty five minutes as Morton went in hard. Let's be fair. Um, but not only did he hit the, hit the ball with his foot and then the foot that came through afterwards, uh, it wasn't two-footed at the same time. Um, I can understand why the referee had a bit of a shit fit seeing it in real time, but he wasn't that far away from it and absolutely shit the bed. And there was definitely fouls in the second half that were worse than that that he only gave a yellow for. Um, but that <laughs> just destroyed any kind of blow. Again, as as Paul said, you know, them, them teams that have 10 men, yeah, they sometimes play better. Nope, we weren't playing well to start with and continued to get worse. Um, they did, however, hang on to make it nil-nil at half-time. But it wasn't very long after that Wednesday capitalised um, Johnson scored on 49 minutes Gassama scored with a lovely strike on 55 minutes um, sort of as you look at it front left of the penalty area just swept it into the bottom right hand corner I mean Matt Ingram might as well have been on his Christmas holidays still um, he, I, I would never used to slate him because I, I, I feel that like he got unfairly treated at one point but the only thing he really had going for him was that he was always a shot stopper and his distribution was terrible. It turns out that he's forgotten that bit as well so far from what I've seen over Christmas. It's not not great. Um, then, son of club legend Dean, Josh Windass put the game beyond any doubt on 72 minutes. And we just was like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I went in the kitchen at that point to go and, I don't know, Hide the knives just in case it got any worse. Um, but no, seriously. Then uh, we got a penalty. Hull got a penalty on 76 minutes, which was dispatched by Scott Twine. Um, and it finished 3-1 to Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, in in the um, post-match interviews, Rossini did admit that he gambled at half-time with some substitutions because he brought on Christie and... Doherty, I think, at half-time. Changed the formation up 
and absolutely didn't work either. They, they actually, you know, they, they were hanging on at half time, doing okay at, at most, but they just second half it just might as well have not been there. Um, it was another high scoring um, match in terms of cards though, because this time round there were seven yellows and one red. Um, so yeah, not not one for the purists. Well, yeah, you could probably say that again. Um, can't say I've seen the um, the challenge um, for Morton. So I'll have to go back and watch that and see if it was a particularly dodgy decision. Um, none of us had a, a, a Sheffield Wednesday win in the predictions column. So no points for the result. Um, I'd gone 2-0 home, Morton and Delap. So I was never getting my Morton goal, was I? Well, um, unless he had gone before 35 minutes. Yeah, true. Uh, Stuart had also gone 2-0 with and Connolly. Uh, Andy had gone 1-0 with Delap. Um Matt, however, had gone for a 1-1 draw, so no points there, but did correctly pick Windass and Twine to score. So bags himself two points for the goal scorers. So ending the week, um, Stu, three points from five games. Myself and Mr Cook, four points from five games, but winning the week with nine points from five games Mr Moore well done sir so we're officially in the week uh, sorry in the week 23 as it is on the podcast but we're officially into 2024 predictions across the board we're also we're also at FA Cup third round week uh, so no league fixtures to start us off um, but we have got FA Cup fixtures and the first of which is Andrew Cook's new team where Fulham will be taking on Rotherham United. Obviously, Mr Cook will have studied the form, he'll have studied the Rotherham website, he'll have picked some choice players inevitably across the board to score his goals. I feel feel you know that Rotherham's website is on my shit list. (laughs) I feel like you've, 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 you've singled that out as a, as a thing. Knowing full well that at some point I'm going to mention Rotherham, sort your shit out. <laughs> Would I ever do such a thing? Um, so, we'll come to Mr Cook last, as obviously his team. Uh, I'll get us started here. I fear that Mr Cook might be changing teams yet again, uh, as I've gone for a comprehensive 3-0 Fulham win on this one. Um, it was mentioned earlier on the podcast. Uh, I have, however, gone for... Muniz to score for Fulham in this one, along with goals for Wilson and Pereira. Stu, what have you got down for Fulham versus Rotherham? I'm just in in, in this in the spirit of uh, old-fashioned Richard Whiteley countdown. Three nil, three nil to Fulham with Pereira, Muniz, and Wilson. That is absolutely ridiculous. Almost as if we had planned it. Um, Matt, which order did you write Mooney's, Wilson and Pereira in your 3-0 um, prediction? I want none of those. Ooh. I've gone for a 4-1 Fulham win. I think they're going to try and push to possibly win a trophy this year. So, And with the uh, Premier League break coming up, they might give it a bit of you-know-what. Well, the 
are still in the semi-finals of the League Cup, bear in mind. Ah, didn't think about that. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I've gone for Jimenez for two. Iwobi and Kearney for Fulham. So 4-1. And I've given Rotherham a little bonus, Hugh Gilgall. Oh. So I feel like I predicted him a lot last year and he never scored. And then... Uh, you're a, you're a nice lad. I, you know, I try. Uh, Mr. Cook, first outing for your new boys. How do you think they'll get on? They're going to win. Ooh. Simple as that. 1-0. One, 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 I like it. 0-1? No yeah. Goal scorer? Well, I feel like I haven't said it for a while, so uh, Tom Eaves. Yeah, that's, it. that's how you spell it and everything. It is. That's how it's written. That many... That's how it's written on no, the do... terrible website. Do we think it's several V's or a lot of E's? A lot of E's. Uh, well, and that's just this weekend, allegedly. Way! Uh, our second game of the FA Cup festivities takes us to Humberside, where Hull City will take on... Birmingham City. Uh, obviously, it's Mr. Woodmancy's team, so he will go last. Um, I'll I'll go I'll go ahead straight away on this one. I've gone for a two-one Hull City win. Now, uh, obviously, this is Birmingham going into this without their manager, as they sacked Wayne Rooney earlier in the week. Sad times. Who could have ever seen that coming when he won, I believe, two of his fifteen games in charge? Yeah, not the best. I've gone for two-one Hull. Tufan and Delap to score for Hull. Bakuna to score for Birmingham. Matt? I've gone for a one-all draw. Yeah. Uh, Connolly and Bakuna. Andrew? One-nil to Hull. Dilapidator. Ah, yes. The Dilapidator himself. Are you Has going clear to Woodmancy? What was that, Matt? Has he been cleared to play in the FA Cup? Uh, there's, there's been no word on it, but I can't imagine that he's going to be all of a sudden needed by Manchester City. No. Um, <laughs> no. So I, I would suspect that he probably will play. Um, well, or he'll, he'll be allowed to play. Whether he does play or not, we'll see. Um, I have a feeling that I am going, Paul. Yeah, I am. Um, they've, even though obviously I have a season pass now, this is a cup game, so therefore we have to pay for it. And the owners have played another blinder um, because it's costing me the grand total of £12 for me and my two boys to go. Nice. Um, so I cannot complain at that at all. Um, can't decide if he's going to give most of the first team a break because genuinely don't think they'll care less about the FA Cup this year if they've got a sniff of the playoffs they'll they'll give it a go I think and I think the, the, the transfer business will probably be the more important part of January rather than this one game um, so I have gone for a win just because Birmingham are completely up shit street at the moment um, I've, I've been to Birmingham 
could be factually accurate. Um, I've gone for one nil Vaughan. You think he'll get another chance, do you? Vaughan's been playing off the bench a lot, and despite the fact that he plays um, with his age on his shirt, number fourteen, um, he he's quite handy. He's just he's just built like a jockey. So, like uh, at one point when he grows out of the kids' kit, I think he'll he'll be a better player. But he's 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 pretty handy. Well, there you go. Three games left, um, which we'll get to momentarily, but we are just going to step away for a short moment, just take a break, have a little think about what we want to predict for Middlesbrough versus Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest versus Blackpool, and then another Middlesbrough game in a different competition where they play Chelsea. So we'll have a little think about that. We'll come back to you very shortly, but again, you won't need to do anything. So... Join us again in just a few minutes. Recording in progress. Welcome back in once again, ladies and gentlemen, to your marathon at this point. Post-festive podcast update. Our third game of the FA Cup third round slate sees my boys, Middlesbrough, Taking on high-flying Aston Villa. Oh, it's my team, so I'll give my prediction last. Let's go to Mr. Cook for his prediction on his old team. They may be my old team, but I've still got the love. Uh, just a simple 1-0 victory for the Borough. And it's, uh, it's Latte Laugh scoring that goal. Lovely stuff. Matt. Uh, I've, I've got a theme going here. Um, it's a 3-1 Villa win. Borough goal scorer. Jones. And your three for the Villa. Watkins, McGinn <laughs> and Bailey. Again, they're in that Fulham bracket of not going to win the league. Trophy this year would be ideal. Do you? I've actually got a 1-1 draw for this one. Um, I've got uh, Rodgers for Borough. And seemingly subject to a little bit of transfer speculation at the moment, John Duran. Well, interesting that you said Duran, as I've also got him. So Duran Duran makes their first appearance on the uh, on the football podcast, which is uh, which is always nice. Um, I'm in I'm in agreement with Mr. Moore. I've also gone for a three-one Aston Villa win. Um, I, I believe they're still second in the Premier League at time of recording. Um, let's have a look. Uh, yes, they're still second in the Premier League. So I believe that even if they put some of the kids out, they will still have too much for the Borough. Uh, I've gone for Colburn 
just go off of the borough because he seems to quite like the uh, the FA Cup that uh, that that kid. Uh, and then I've gone for one each for Watkins, Duran, as previously stated, and Diaby. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Villa go quite quite deep in that competition. We we played Bla- uh, we played Brighton in the third round last year and they got all the way to the semi final. So I wouldn't be surprised if Villa do the same this year. Uh, second to last game and our last of the FA Cup for the third round fixtures sees Nottingham Forest playing Blackpool so obviously Mr Moore will give his prediction last uh, what's Stu got down for Forest versus Blackpool uh, I've got 2-0 win for Forest I've got Hudson Adoy and the Mangala thought for a second that he'd done it again and predicted exactly the same as me uh, but sadly my 2-0 is Hudson Adoy and Danilo as opposed to Mangala and are you also on the 2-0 train? 1-0 ooh interesting goal scorers? Uh, I've got Wood standard and Rhodes. Ah, Jordan. Now, speculation apparently that he may be recalled by Huddersfield. And he's only on loan at Blackpool. Um, but obviously, he's still eligible. And I don't know if he will be recalled. I think it's just it was just paper speculation at this particular point. Uh, Matt, your your prediction for your gents. I've gone for a 2-1 Forest win. I think there'll be quite a few changes. But I've gone Origi and Yates to score for Forest. And Rhodes to score for Blackpool. Very nice indeed. That concludes our FA Cup fixtures. Um, There is just a small matter of the uh, League Cup semi-final between Middlesbrough and Chelsea. This is the first of two legs... Uh, and is the first time that Middlesbrough will play at home in the competition this season. I have my prediction in the book, but it is my team, so I will go last. We'll go back to Mr. Mr. Moore for his prediction first, please. I've gone for a 2-1 Chelsea win. Your goal scorers, please. Greenwood for Borough. Yeah. And Sterling Ambrosia for Chelsea. Andrew? Um, I have the opposite of, of Matthew. I have a 2-1 Borough win. Very interesting. Your goal scorers on that regard, please. Uh, Rogers and Latte Laugh for the Borough. Um, and I also have Sterling for Chelsea. Sterling performance for Murphy. Stu? I have got 1 3. Uh, I've got Jones for Borough. I've got 2 for Jackson. And one for Madweke. Uh, 
not a weekie. Um, I've gone semi-confident on this one, and I've gone for a 1-1 draw. Crooks to get one for the Borough, and I agree with Matt. I've also gone for Broya to score for Chelsea. Um, it'll be interesting, that one, because I kind of feel like they need to have something to take to Stamford Bridge, because historically... Middlesbrough don't do well at Stamford Bridge. I think ever since they won a playoff game, a playoff final there, back when the playoffs was played two-legged at the at the home ground of each team that was in, in, involved in the game, I don't know if they've lost every single time they've played there since. So, yeah, I think they might need something if, they, if they're going to get to Wembley, but I wouldn't be putting my house on it, let's put it that way. And that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to an end of all of our predictions and wrap-up marathon, as we said earlier. Um, Unless anyone has anything else they'd like to bring to the table. Lovely stuff. Well, all that's left for me to do is obviously thank these three wonderful gentlemen for joining me to give you the the rundown of their teams. Uh, Thank you very much, gents. Hope you've had a lovely festive period um, join us again next week where we'll break down all of the FA Cup games the League Cup semi-final game for the Borough and we'll obviously give you some predictions for next week's games but until then I hope you all had a lovely festive period join us again next week stay safe it's tatty bye from us so there we go, what do you think of that? Another one done, another week of games gone, or several weeks of games gone, I forget where we are at this point in time, but more football to come, so there's that. Big thank you for watching, big thank you for listening, big thank you for being here, big thank you for joining us in the new year. Before you go, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment, leave a review where you can leave a review. Check out the website, thecookiecast.com. There we've got social media links and an email button, and that way you can get in touch with us. That is it for this one. Until next time, I'm going to say bye, and I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to these grumpy old men talk about football. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe.